The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Denver CityCast is presented by Bet Rivers. Bet River Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting, and it has you covered for the NFL season. They're offering same game parlays and pro football matchups. They're bringing back their reduce the juice promotion on game days, too. And this NFL season, they have a $1 million beat the spread challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is just more rewarding on Bet Rivers. Download the app or go to betrivers.com to bet. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. It's Holden McVeeson. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Couple of things uh, before we get into the fallout of yesterday's awful loss by the Broncos and a, uh, a, a game that is not going to be soon forgotten here in Denver. No, no doubt about it. But I do want to say Teddy Bridgewater's out of the hospital. That is great news. The concussion looked really nasty. He was carted off, was knocked out in game four against the Ravens. So this is the second time it's happened now. I don't see Teddy playing this week under any circumstances. They should probably hold him out too. Um, it doesn't matter that Drew Locke is starting the season in all likelihood is over from a playoff standpoint, but good to know that Teddy is out of the hospital. That was very nervous. Uh, I was very nervous yesterday. I'm sure a lot of you were as well. So the other thing going on, there's about 40 uh, people from the Broncos going and flying a charter to Atlanta for Demarius Thomas is what they're calling that the celebration of life. Uh, You'll have Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, Shelby Harris, Garrett Bowles, um, and then they're going to come back 
but um, that is a, a wonderful thing, a ceremony that a lot of members of the Broncos organization and some players are going to fly out to the Atlanta area for. And then let's get into this game. This is a betting show, so I do the betting review. Uh, it was Broncos minus two and a half is where this thing closed on Bet Rivers. Two and a half, three is where you could have gotten it uh, for most of the week. The total shrunk from, you know, 44 and a half down to 44. I think right around 43 is where it closed on Bet Rivers. And I told you I didn't feel comfortable at all betting this thing going into it. Uh, between the game being really tight, between the COVID issues, who knows what's going to pop up before the game. I just said, you know what? Forget about it. Let's bet it live. And I told you, hit me. I did have a couple of people. Uh, Sammy, thanks for hitting me up. I appreciate that. Uh, and a guy named Don. I got to get his last name. He has a silly Twitter handle. But they both hit me up, say, hey, what are you doing? I said, follow along. So I ended up hitting the game total under uh, 41 and a half. And then I went under... 39. Those were the, and maybe even 38. There might have been a third bet in there. I, the two big ones was 41 and a half and 39. And I'll tell you why that happened. And maybe you're watching a game and you could pick up on this. But after I saw how the first two possessions went for each team, uh, I said to myself, this is going to be a gross game. And it was as simple as that. Just threw it down. Now there was a flurry of touchdowns. The Broncos score a touchdown. Tyler Boyd with a big play comes right back. And I'm saying to myself, oh my God. This under 38 is probably in trouble, but it wasn't. It just wasn't. Neither team was good offensively. I think the Broncos' defense was amazing. Uh, their offense was, if their defense gets a B plus, their offense gets an F or an F minus, okay? Um, and then as far as the side goes, I told you I didn't want anything to do with it. If I had a lean, I would lean toward the Bengals just because they were getting the points. These are two very even teams. So that won't go on the official record because it wasn't a, a play, a show play, but we got the live bet home there. And I highly recommend you try betting live if you haven't. And if you're afraid, Ellis, I don't want to lose my bet a dollar. Bet 50 cents. I don't care what you bet. Just try it. It's fun and it can be very lucrative, especially if you don't have a good feel for a game going into it, going into it. So let's get into some other things though. That was just an absolutely unacceptable loss it was a failure on so many levels by Vic Fangio which is something I'll get into again it's a betting show uh, we've got the Broncos 80 to 1 to win the division why bother uh, the Chiefs minus 2,000 we're not bet don't bet anything on the division at this point as far as the Broncos getting to the playoffs I think that bet is just completely done there's no reason to look at that the win total, that's kind of interesting. I'm looking forward to when Bet Rivers throws this thing back up on the on the win total for the Broncos because my sense is that it's going to stay at eight and a half. It's just, it's just been sitting there with the juice vacillating back and forth. Uh, it will be eight and a half into the over. It's going to be a big plus number at this point because how with, with Teddy probably out this week, you're going to go Drew Locke, a team coming off a gut punch. The good news is they'll face the Raiders on a shorter week, but you win that game, great. You still got to beat the Chargers for a second time, and you got to beat the, the Chiefs for the first time after 13 straight losses. So uh, those lines, 
it'll be interesting. Let's just put it that way. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the juice. If I had to set the line for this, Broncos getting two wins in their last three games, I, I would put it around 165 plus 165. And the under eight and a half at this point, I mean, probably pff, minus 200. So we'll check on that again on Wednesday, see where it is. It's just, uh, boy, this is, this is a bad day. This is a bad day in Broncos country because it should have been a win. And it came back down to the same thing that's been killing them for a while now. It's been killing them for a while. It's, it's coaching. You can blame Shermer all you want. I'm putting this one on Fangio more than anything else. 7% chance of making the playoffs at this point. So many things have to go right for them to get to the playoffs that I would say it's almost not worth talking about, but it is still worth talking about. So they win yesterday. They would have been in the seventh and final playoff spot today in the AFC. They would have won. Instead, they drop all the way back to 12, uh, depending on what happens with the Raiders. If the Raiders win Monday night, they will be 13. Uh, they are now behind the Dolphins, who have a better conference record. They're now behind the Steelers, who have a better conference record and um, one less loss at 7-6-1. and one. They're behind the Browns for now. Uh, and if the Browns lose and go to 7-7, seven and seven, they'll still be ahead of the Broncos. And they are behind the Ravens, who are a full game ahead of them. The Bills are a full game ahead of them. The Chargers, who they couldn't catch. So 7%, like that's 93% chance of them not winning the playoff, uh, getting to the playoffs. It, it's sickening. It, it really pisses me off. I'm sure it pisses a lot of you off too, but Fangio lost this game. Let's not make any bones about it. This will be the second time that I've talked about Vic Fangio being a dead man walking. Somehow, some way they pulled off the win against the Cowboys. They won another game that was really good against the Chargers, but Fangio lost this game at the end of the first half. What happened? So they've got the ball. The Broncos have the ball. A little over three minutes left. Things are going great. You know, you're in a tie ball game. You've got it. Let's show a little bit of urgency. Let's just show a little bit of urgency. Get the ball down the field. Score a touchdown. Nope. Not, uh, that's not what they want to do. That's not what Pat Shermer wants to do. Let's make sure we milk the clock kick a 51-yard field goal, and then go into halftime up three, which in its, own, in its own right, that logic is just bad because you're not putting your foot on the gas. You're just kind of coasting. So they're, they're not moving fast. They're picking up first downs. Things are going well. Teddy's dumping the ball off left and right. You know, you've got timeouts, and they're not using them. Which is fine. You want to you want to lower you want to run the clock down. But at least if you're not going to you you be aggressive. Couple of runs here, couple short passes, and then all right, let's let the clock wind down and we'll kick this field goal. Now, you say to yourself, McManus is probably going to kick this field goal. There was what nine seconds left, I think, after he missed it. And I'm saying to myself, oh my god, he missed it, and they just left nine seconds on the clock. Uh oh. Uh oh. And then Fangio basically calls prevent defense against the kicker, Evan McPherson, who can probably kick at 65 yards. I mean, this kid is going to be the next great kicker in all likelihood. You're in elevation. The kid's already, you know, kicked close to 60 yarders. And now you put him up there and he just bangs it right through. And what a gut punch. So instead of going into the half, three point 
three points, up three points, getting the ball out of halftime. You are now, you now had a six-point swing in a game you lost by five. And not only do you miss the field goal and show no sense of urgency, like that shouldn't even been a 51-yard field goal. Should have been a 41 or a 31 if they actually had any balls and decided to move the ball down the field, Pat Shermer. So on one hand, and it still goes back to the coach, on one hand, it's Shermer's fault. Let's just go laissez-faire offense. We'll get into halftime. It'll be fine. And then just as big of a sin is Fangio playing the freaking prevent defense, allowing this kid McPherson to get a long field goal and to put the Bengals up at halftime. And I'm telling you right now, and this is what I wrote in my notes, if they lose this game, this is where they lost it. I mean, it, that to me, just here's my halftime thoughts. I'll read you my halftime thoughts. Denver, 1-21 under Vic Fangio when they're trailing at halftime. Uh-oh. Awful game management by Fangio on final drive. Huge swing of momentum in a close game. Going to lose this game because of that. I mean, what in the hell is going on here? They, the Broncos had played so well defensively, too. They held Cincinnati to one of seven on third down. During the day, they held Jamar Chase to nothing. T. Higgins, nothing. Tyler Boyd was the one that busted him there. But you give up the field goal before the half. You come out. It, it, it just blew my mind. And I come back. Actually, the Bengals, the Bengals had the ball um, after Teddy came out. He was sacked on first and ten. They picked up the third and short. They had to punt after Teddy was sacked. Back-to-back penalties on the Denver defense. And that moves the ball right down the field, right? Ooh, right down the field. You're down 9-3. I mean, I, I'm just shaking my head. I, I can't believe it. This is one of the more upsetting losses. And I've been covering sports for a long, long time. This is just one that shouldn't have been a loss. This was just bad coaching. And I don't even blame, I do not blame Drew Locke for any of this. It's not his fault he was drafted to be a starting quarterback. It's not his fault that he's still on this roster. It's not, it's just not. It's, it's just, he's not a good quarterback. He makes horrible decisions at bad times. And I'm not going to blame him whatsoever. I'm not going to blame him. This is on Vic Fangio. And I'll throw Shermer in the mix too. And I'm sure they have all the excuses in the world with the exception of this one. And I actually applaud Vic Fangio for admitting this. On the prevent offense and the prevent defense at the end of the first half, he specifically talked about the offense because the defense is his. He specifically talked about the defense because the defense is his, the offense is Shermer's. Okay. He goes, the prevent call at the end of the first half was on me. Damn straight it's on you. And that's another big piece of what cost him the game. And what cost the Broncos the game, and what cost the fans the game, and what cost everything the game. Okay? Then you had the Cincinnati media crushing Zach Taylor. You remember there was it was third and eight with two minutes left. They ended up running the ball and then just trying to run the clock out, didn't work. Then they punted it, and Drew Locke has to go, what, 90-something 90 90 yards to get in there? It was absolutely the right move. Why would you not put the onus on the Broncos' offense with Drew Locke? They haven't moved the ball all day. 
and now you're putting this guy back there, settle down, settle down to the Cincinnati media. It was the right call. And, it, and you know what? If it didn't, it was still the right call. If it didn't work out, because there's no way in hell anybody's thinking that Drew Locke is moving this ball down the field. Last thing on Drew Locke. Last thing on it. He's down. He's inside the 10. This team's inside the 10. This is really where it was lost to. Fangio would have gotten off the hook had they scored a touchdown here. But Locke, after the fumble, right? So Khalid Kareem came in, took the ball from his arms. And Drew even admitted, he goes, I should have handed the ball off to Javante. It goes, quote unquote, I should have handed that thing off to Javante. But also if I run it into the end zone, make the defensive end miss, who knows what's being said right now? You're right. Who knows what's being said? I'll tell you what's being said. You won the football game. But this is Drew Locke throughout his career. If I'm doing this, if I do this, if I do that. But you didn't do that. You haven't done that. And you turned the ball over to Kareem. And that was a wild play too. I mean, Kareem basically takes it out of Locke's hands. Thank God Locke just touched him when he fell down. Actually, not thank God, because Garrett Bowles ended up recovering the fumble by Kareem, but they went back, Kareem was down by contact, and that was the end of it. And, and really the nail in the coffin there, Tyler Boyd, 56-yard touchdown catch from Burrow. They made it 15-10 with 30 seconds left in the third quarter, and it was over from there. The offense just couldn't get going. They just couldn't get going. You want to look ahead to the uh, the Raiders-Broncos lines? I think we just uh, touched on that real quick. See how I'm just getting more frustrated and just downtrodden and beaten down? You think after broadcasting for 25 years, it wouldn't hit me like this, but this was the end of a playoff run. Like It, it was so much fun to be in a playoff run. Broncos fans hadn't seen this in six years. Players, front office, none of them have seen it in six years now. No playoffs. Just, uh, it's, it's just awful. Bad, bad head coaching. They got to get rid of Fangio, like officially. It's it's over. There's no reason to keep him unless he wants to come back as the defensive coordinator. Vance Joseph, great defensive coordinator, bad head coach. Vic Fangio, great defensive coordinator, bad head coach. And there'll be a point and a half dogs. When they go to Vegas, depending on what happens with the Raiders and the Browns coming up tonight, I'll have a Raiders-Browns um, uh, breakdown. I will give you a best bet from tonight's Vikings-Bears game. But next, George Stoya makes his Denver City cast, presented by Bet Rivers debut. Who is he? He covers the Broncos for the Denver Gazette, the Colorado Springs Gazette. He's from the Gazette. And he joins me next to give us some fallout some of the mood around the team after talking to some of the players. And that's next here on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. The VEASAN Midseason Football Special is here. Put the VEASAN betting experts to work for you from now through February for only $99. Daily best bet emails, 24-7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in-depth data 
and analysis on vsin.com. Sign up today at vsin.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. So it's the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. It is holding with Vison. George Stoya now. He's with the Gazette, Denver Gazette, Colorado Springs Gazette. But th- this is just awful. Um, I told you before we came on, George, I'm angry today. Like it's finally had a shot to go to the playoffs. And then the coaching, to me, it was the coaching staff that blew everything. Let's just get your rundown and on who's to blame, because that's how I'm feeling today. Usually I'm a nice guy. I'm a happy, I'm a jovial guy. I'm pissed off, George. Yeah, I, I would start with Pat Shermer. Uh, and the reason I would start with Pat Shermer is I think that this has been an ongoing issue if you've watched this team this season. Um, yes, they've been able to run the football at times when he actually commits to running the ball. And I thought they ran the ball you know, pretty well yesterday considering you know the Bengals, I think, came into the game you know ranked fourth in rushing defense. Uh, but the fact that you can't get the ball to playmakers like a Jerry Judy, a Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, And we've seen that in recent weeks, right? Like, this isn't a new thing that just happened on Sunday. It's been an issue uh, the last several weeks. I mean, Jerry Judy, who I consider maybe the best player on the team in terms of pure talent, has yet to find the end zone this season. He had zero receptions yesterday, second time in his career that's happened. Um, That, that to me, falls on. Obviously, yeah, you can blame the quarterback. I know Drew Locke, you know, came in and tried to do his best, and maybe he doesn't have the same – you know, connection that maybe Teddy would, and Teddy didn't play great yesterday. Uh, but I think it's just a lack of creativity uh, on the offensive scheme at times, uh, and they're just not—they're not using him correctly. I mean, how many times do we see Jerry go in this motion and do this fake decoy handoff, you know, stuff, and then all of a sudden he doesn't even run a route after doing that? It's like they're running some other play for you know a design like tight end screen or something, and it's like, well, what is what is what is this offense? Uh, you have to be able to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And so that's where my number one, um, you know, blame goes to. I think number two is probably Vic just because he is the head coach. And a lot of that obviously falls on him. And I know people are upset with him. And, I, you know, to be honest, his defense is playing great, right? He had the perfect game plan to beat Joe Burrow and, and that Bengals offense that's been so explosive this season uh, yesterday. But uh, I think that the head coach always has to have some blame. And then I think you got to put it on the two quarterbacks after that, right? I mean, uh, Teddy was not playing great before he got hurt. Um, you know, hopefully he's okay. It sounds like he's going to be. I know he stayed overnight in the hospital for extra precautions. Uh, and then Drew Locke came in, and, you know, for a minute there, it looked like, you know, he was going to be the hero, right? He comes in, the offense starts moving the ball a little bit, and then, of course, he goes back to his old ways and makes uh, just the biggest mistake in the game in terms of that fumble there inside the goal line. Because who knows, if they if they put it in the end zone there, um, you know, I think that they probably go on to win that football game just the way the defense was playing. It felt like, you know, they were going to come up with a turnover, come up with a stop to win that football game. So um, definitely unfortunate. But, you know, I know everybody's saying they're out of the playoff race, and, and maybe that's so. I mean, that was such a huge game last night in terms of that. But technically, if they went out, I think they'll still get in. The, but the reality is I don't think a lot of people think they can win out, myself included. So, um, you know, I, I know they still have some, some left to play for, but it does feel like this could be maybe the beginning of the end. Uh, 7% chance of making the playoffs after that loss. See, I put more, let's talk about Fangio for a second. Cause I put more blame on him. I don't even blame Drew Locke for anything anymore. He's just not good. <clears throat> he yeah. doesn't make good decisions. He's got a great arm, but he doesn't make good decisions. That's not his fault. 
he was put in an organization to be the savior and he wasn't good enough to be the savior. He's another Missouri quarterback that has flamed out. Second of all, uh, one in 21 when you're trailing at halftime, that's Vic Fangio. <clears throat> he's one in 21 when he's trailing at halftime. Uh, that's inexcusable. And then the lack of urgency. And, and I don't know, you tell me, is that on Vic? Is that on Shermer? Is that on Teddy? The lack of urgency before the end of the first half, because that's where the game is lost to me. Um, when you're just taking your time, hey, let's go get a field goal instead of actually trying to get a touchdown and give yourself some breathing room. There's no sense of urgency. They don't even try to get a couple extra yards. Oh, McManus will hit a 51-yarder. That'll just be a layup. And he didn't. He didn't. And at least Vic said, listen, that's on me because he basically called that prevent defense that allowed yeah. Yeah. the Bengals to get into scoring position. So let's just talk Vic for a second. Because for me... He was the biggest reason, not Teddy getting go, going out because of injury. Vic, to me, lost this game, probably lost his job beforehand, but this was the nail in the coffin. You cannot have a team basically walk the ball up in a close game because they are up by three at halftime if they actually move the ball, kick the field goal, and don't allow the Bengals to have the ball up. But they don't. They don't. Then they're down three at halftime. That, that to me, was where the game was won and lost, George. Yeah, well, and frustrating. I think, that, I think it's I think it's a good point. And, you know, Vic talked about it briefly, like you said, after the game and said that was on him. And what was dumbfounding to me sitting there watching it play out is they had a timeout still left. And they could have, you know, tried to push the ball down the field a little bit more. Instead, they took the conservative approach uh, and, and went for the field goal, which in that situation, man, I, I don't understand the thought process of, yeah, a field goal there obviously does you a lot of good, right? Because that game was a defensive battle, and you go up into the locker room feeling good about yourself. We saw what it did for the Bengals momentum-wise. Uh, but what if you go score a touchdown, right? Like, they, that's the thought, the thought process that I think aggressive coaches need to have and good coaches do have. Uh, the Brandon Staley's of the world, who obviously took a lot of criticism this last week for kicking field goals, but typically is a guy that's, that's super aggressive. And some of these, you know, younger and, and – offensive-minded head coaches is let's go score. It doesn't matter how much time is left. Uh, and I think that that's where Vic really messed up because, like you said, it was a huge momentum shift. And then all of a sudden, he wastes that timeout uh, that he didn't use when they had the ball to set up in a, at a defense that let them get, you know, I think it was a 19-yard pass or whatever it was, to set up their field goal. So um, that was just a massive debacle. And that's the thing with Vic. Like, here's, here's my thing with him is I think he's a great – defensive coordinator I really do I think he's a, a defensive genius when it comes to what he's able to do and put players in the right position to make plays on defense I think we've seen that in his three years here but when it comes to just managing a game and, and clock management and those things he just continues to make you know questionable decisions and using his timeouts using his challenges as we've seen I think he's one for seven on you know coaches challenge this season um, and those are the things that are going to do him in. and even things like hiring a Pat Shermer um, you know, I, I know that maybe he's close with him and, and he thought that was going to work out. But um, at the end of the day, that just it has not been um, the key to success for them. So I just uh, I think that all those things are going to add up. And, and if they can't win these last three games, then I think you might be looking at a, a change of the guard for the Broncos. Well, I mean, Elway hired two great defensive coordinators as his head coach, like yeah. re really great defensive coordinators. Hopefully Fangio can stay around and be the defensive coordinator. That's not going to happen, though. So now it's up to Peyton. And, and again, I was so looking forward to today coming in because they are the seven seed if they win yesterday. That is a completely winnable game. 
And now I, I, you and I are talking here. Let's face it. 7% chance of going to the playoffs anywhere between five and 7% chance. Like they haven't been able to string together three straight wins since the awful teams in the beginning of the season. Oh, I, I counted them out one time. They bounced back George, but this is the nail in the coffin to me. This is the nail in the coffin for a lot because that play, those, that series of plays at halftime that ends the season, that ends Fangio's tenure, that ends the coaching staff's tenure. And now the worst part about it is they're going to be stuck in the middle of the draft really without any chance of improving with a, a game-changing quarterback, if, that was, if that's even possible, unless they go out and get a star. So uh, to me, you're a lot more level-headed than I am. <laughs> I guess I'm just pissed off because I was excited. I was planning on coming in here Monday being like, yeah, we got it, man. We got a chance to go to the playoffs. So you're a lot more level-headed than I am. Can you just, just describe where this organization is right now, today? Where are they? Because you said there's a chance. Okay, you'll keep the door open. Chance, there's a chance to make the playoffs. What happens after that? Well, you know, here's the thing that you have to, if you're a Broncos fan, that you know, that you should take um, maybe some pride in and some have some optimism. At least that's the way, I, this is the way I look at it is, I think George Payton has done a hell of a job. Uh, and you look at the future of this organization and who knows what's going to happen with ownership um, and all those sorts of things. But if you keep George Payton, I think things will head in the right direction. The reason I believe that, is you look at how many rookies are contributing on this football team, guys that George Payton went out and got in the draft, right? And then you look at the guys that he went and traded for. I mean, if you want to look at one really good bright spot yesterday, Jonas Griffith played a really good football game in his first start at, at inside linebacker alongside rookie Baron Browning. And Jonas Griffith is another guy that George Payton went out and got. Stephen Weatherly, Kenny Young, these guys that, that George Payton saw value in that weren't getting a whole lot of playing time at other places. And so that, to me, I look at that and say, okay, maybe they make the playoffs this year, maybe they don't, whatever. But if George Payton is in charge, I just feel like he's going to make some the right personnel moves to put this position, put this team in a position to succeed eventually. Because I think that if you look at this roster, he's put together a pretty good roster in terms of guys that were already here that he decided to keep, guys like Justin Simmons, who's having another Pro Bowl-type season. Um, I think that you look at the wide receiving core, I know that, they haven't performed well lately, and I don't know how much of that is on them, but, you know, keeping guys like Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, who I think are going to be big-time playmakers in the future if they can get the right quarterback, get the right offensive coordinator in here. Uh, and if, if that, you know, if, if the personnel is right, uh, I, I trust George Payton to go out and make the right hire, right? If they change uh, who's going to be the head coach and who's going to be the offensive coordinator, I think George Payton will, will go out and make the right hire when it comes to those sorts of things. And, and also, I think that he's a guy that's going to put all of his chips into – getting a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. And, and if he doesn't get one of those guys, I think he has a backup plan of, you know, who does he want to get as a rookie quarterback and groom them? Uh, you know, we've seen him go out and scout a lot of these kids, you know, this this last year during the college football season. So uh, that's, that's the optimism for me is that I, I know that it's frustrating this season, but at least they're winning a little bit more than they have in the past. They're, it seems like they are at least moving in the right direction. Uh, and I think that you have to just trust George Payton because so far, I think he's passed most of the tests uh, that's been in front of him in terms of trying to turn this, you know, this team and this organization back to its winning ways. Uh, and so that's where I, I think the optimism is for me. So Payton, I, and I've heard this multiple times, like part of the reason why I took this job is because of Vic Fangio. So if the team is moving in the right direction, is there a legit shot that this guy is going to be back next year? Uh, think about it. I think that yeah. that's something that I think George Payton just just I mean, 
I don't want to say he just said it to say it, but I do think there's some of that to obviously just give, you know, Vic some confidence, right? Because uh, at the point that he said that, I think it was the midway point of the season, they were 4-4. Four and four. They still did have a lot in front of them. I know fans didn't want to hear that at that time, but it was true, and, and they really did. I mean, if they win last week, we're having a totally different conversation, or yesterday, we're having a totally different conversation today, right, about Vic and, and maybe the future uh, of his contract. And I think there's still a chance that he sticks around. Like, let's say they go 9-8 and eight and just miss out on the playoffs. I wouldn't be shocked if George Payton keeps him, but I think he'll say, you've got to make a change at offensive coordinator. You've got to make a change at special teams coordinator, those sorts of things. But I also think that there's a very good chance that the Broncos could lose the next three games or lose two of the next three games. And at that point, uh, if they have another losing season, what would that be? Six straight, four, five straight, something like that. Um, you know, I think that, you know, George will probably go out and go get his own guy that, that he wanted. Because as much as George said that, uh, the reason why he came here, I think he also probably has a guy in mind that he wants to go get. I don't know who that is, um, but I'm sure he has a list of, of guys that he wants to be his head coach. How was the locker room after the game? I mean, we can we can say, oh, they were probably all depressed, quiet. Take me through it. You know, what do you got? Actually, are you allowed down there anymore after all we're this not stuff? The, yeah, we're not in the locker room, but uh, we did get to talk to several players. And, yeah. you know, Drew Locke was, you know, typical Drew Locke, uh, very, like, depressed and sad and just upset and obviously talked a lot about himself and how he needs to do better and all that sort of thing that, that Drew does after every game. Uh, but the, the one that I thought was interesting was Justin Simmons, who's usually very candid and, and very honest, and he was last night. I felt a, an extreme frustration from him, um, you know, talking. And he's a guy that comes out and says, you know, the defense, you know, we should have gotten a takeaway to set up the offense. And we, we could have done more as a defense. But I also felt, um, you know, he was talking about the leadership of the team and, and the people that are higher up. And I, I don't think he – I don't know if he was talking about the coaches or who he was talking about. Um, and he said that you could run with that however you may. Um, but the way that he was talking about the leadership kind of pointed to me that, hey, he's upset with, with some people above him. Because um, obviously he's maybe the biggest leader on the football team. So uh, for him to be saying those sorts of things, I think showed a level of frustration with Justin, where obviously he's a guy that's been here a while. He's been through the losing seasons. He's, he's arguably the best player on the football team. Uh, and they continue to come up short in these big games. I think that there's a huge level of frustration with him. And then, you know, he also said, listen, we're not going to lay down these last three games. We still have a chance to make the playoffs, which again, that's what, that's what a player is supposed to say, right? Uh, you and I could sit here and be like, yeah, you're not winning the next three, but uh, in Justin's mind, and I, I, I sure as hope the rest of those players, in their mind, they're, they're thinking, okay, well, let's go win these last three and make the playoffs, uh, even if, you know, in reality, that's probably, you know, very unrealistic for them. So um, that was kind of the sense I got from them, is there was a level of frustration with a few of them. And we really the only, I think we really got to talk to four players, um, so it, it wasn't like we got a totally good feel. And you could also tell Vic was, was pretty upset, too. Um, with the way that I think he coached and also just the way that the game played out. And, and he obviously talked a lot about the offense and saying, you know, 10 points isn't enough. Um, and, and he's right. Uh, but at the same time, I think that some of that he has to, you know, kind of overrule because I do think there's some of Vic just letting Pat kind of do his thing. And um, so far that hasn't worked. Well, he's shown frustration publicly with Pat this season, hasn't he? I mean, I've heard him kind of take shots at the offense or the play that wasn't called, but He's just got to be responsible. And I, I think when it's all said and done, when we look back at the Vic Fangio era, and I really do hope it's done, not just not because it's personal, just because I don't think the guy is a good head coach. I think he is a great defensive coordinator. But I think when it's all said and done, the, the, the thing that I will remember about Vic Fangio is that 
that little couple of minutes span there just before halftime. I, I can't get over it, George. I just, I can't get it out of my mind how mismanaged that was. And we're seeing, oh, and I'm seeing today, well, you know, Teddy was out, so they had to rely on Drew Locke. This excuse, that excuse. It was a six point swing. Um, <laughs> and they lost that, by five. And they lost by five. And they lost by five. They lost by five. They went into the locker room after the defense was just spectacular. They go into the locker room and all of a sudden it's like, eh, you know, what, what, what happened here? So I think the Vic Fangio era to me officially ended with that. There is a shot they can come back. Let's talk about some good things, okay? I hate being angry. I hate being pessimistic. I really, I really don't like doing this. So um, let's, let's be happy for a minute. There are some guys that have really stepped up and look good. I mean, we didn't have Kenny Young. There was no Kenny Young there. Vaughn leaves. All these guys step in. Give me two or three young guys or guys defensively that really stood out to you, and I'll just lead you in one direction. Browning. That, that's what I'll start with. But I really love what's going on defensively with this team. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the, these young guys, and you talk about a Baron Browning who, you know, really didn't play at all at the beginning of the season and, and missed almost the entire offseason with injury. Uh, and he comes in, and he looks spectacular. I mean, he looks like a guy – that you can rely on to start there for the next few years, right? And I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with those inside linebackers because do you bring back a Kenny Young, whose contract is up at the end of the season, a Josie Jewell, Alexander Johnson, both those guys who obviously missed most of this season, their contracts are up. I think you probably want to keep one of those guys. Um, you know, you look at Jonas Griffith. I mean, what are you going to do with a guy like that who, who really hasn't played a whole lot, but in his one chance that he did get to play, uh, looked really good. Um, so I think that inside linebacker position that was once, you know, maybe, you know, lacking talent or lacking a whole lot of depth, now it feels like they do have some depth there and some guys that they can rely on uh, to make some plays. So that's one spot I really like. Obviously, I can't not say Pat Sertan, who I think is one of going to be one of the best corners in the league if he's not already there. Um, you know, what he did yesterday on Jamar Chase, and I know Ronald Darby helped out on that too. I think Jamar Chase had one reception for three yards. That's Amazing, right? I mean, Jamar Chase has had an incredible year uh, for the Bengals. So, Pastor Tan's been great. One guy who didn't play yesterday, who I've been really impressed with, and I think is the future at safeties, Caden Stearns. I think he's a guy that's really come in, fifth round pick uh, out of Texas, who really didn't have, you know, a whole lot of success his last two years at Texas, um, you know, is, is playing great. It seems like every time the ball's thrown in his direction, he makes a play on it, uh, either intercepts it or, or knocks it down or. Or, you know, he's been, he's been a good tackler this season. And when you talk about Kareem Jackson and his, his contract being up at the end of this season, I think that Kading could maybe slide in to that starting role alongside Justin Simmons. Uh, and then the other one that I think you also have to point out is Jonathan Cooper. And, you know, he's playing a lot uh, since Vaughn's been traded and, and out there. And I thought he came up with some really good pressures yesterday. Joe Burrow was just able to escape a few times. Um, you know, Bradley Chubb on the other side, it felt like he, that was the most active he's been all season. But uh, I think Jonathan Cooper was a steal when you talk about getting a guy like that in the seventh round uh, and the impact that he's made so far this season. So they've got a lot of really young talent on the defensive side of the ball. I think they need to get a little bit better, um, you know, up front. I think they want to see more from guys like Bradley Chubb. Um, obviously, a first round pick a few years ago just has not produced at the level that obviously they want him to. And a large part of that is just because of injuries. But uh, they need him to stay healthy, but I think they could they could probably go out and get some more edge rushers uh, in this draft or in free agency, and also just some defensive linemen because I think they want to see you know a little bit more production out of some of those guys. I know they just signed Shelby Harris to a big contract extension, but um, I think that that's kind of the spot that they'll be looking at 
this offseason. And then also, I mean, in the secondary, I think trying to keep guys like a Bryce Callahan, um, you know, whose contract is also up at the end of the season, I think that's a that's going to be a priority for them, you know, this offseason. We just got good news during the show. Teddy was released from the hospital, so that's good. But at this point, now that now the franchise is going to handle this differently than what the fans and the media think, but at this point, why roll them out there and even risk it? You know, yeah. the, you could say it's a must-win game next week, but boy, that guy got absolutely destroyed. He was knocked out. I mean, I, I saw it right there. His arms were tucked under him. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see here because even if he's, if he's clear from concussion protocol, do you really feel good rolling him out there? Uh, but the good news is Teddy's okay. And I think we have to prepare for Drew Locke. And whether or not, you know, people want that or not, that's just how it is. Uh, I would not give him a chance to play the string out, though, the final three games, because we know who Drew Locke is at this point, right? Do you know who Teddy Bridgewater is at this point? What have you learned about Teddy in his time here? And again, very happy he's out of the hospital and doing well, because that was scary. Yeah, I think Teddy's been a, a good, you know, sounding board for the locker room. I think he's been a, a big leader. I mean, a lot of guys talked about that last night. Um, when you lose a leader like that, I think that that's where he's really helped this team the most. And I think the other thing, too, and the reason he won the quarterback battle, uh, we saw it a little bit last night, is he doesn't make the big mistake. He, he doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. Yes, he, he, he's had, you know, some crucial turnovers this season. Uh, but when you talk about in a position to, to win or lose a game, um, he hasn't really made those huge mistakes. And I think that that's been the biggest thing with Teddy. He's like, he's obviously not going to blow you away with his arm. He's not going to make the big flashy plays. Um, you know, he's going to have bad games here and there where he misses guys. Um, and underthrows balls or, or whatever, throws it short of the sticks as everyone gets mad at him for. Um, but I, I do think if Teddy's in that situation yesterday, one, they probably don't run a zone read call, which either way was probably a bad call uh, to call in second and goal at the nine with Drew Locke in there. Um, but he, he, I don't think he would have turned the ball over in that position. So I, I just think that that's been the biggest thing with Teddy is he's not been a guy that that's, you know, lost them a game, maybe other than the Eagles game, right, where he didn't try to make a tackle on the fumble return. Other than that, you know, you can't really say he's just single-handedly lost some games. Maybe the Chiefs game, you could you could argue that. But, um, you know, I think that that's been the biggest thing with Teddy is I think he's been a good leader, and I think he's, you know, he hasn't turned the ball over. But he's also not going to go win you a football game, right? Like, if, if, you, if you need Teddy to go down there at, at, with one minute, a minute 30 left to go get in, you know, and score a touchdown to win the game, uh, you're probably, that's probably not going to happen either. So, yeah, it's one of those things that he's he's probably better than Drew Locke, um, but I I don't know if it's that much better. I mean, when Drew plays great, we we've seen it. It's 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 awesome to watch. I mean, you think of that Panthers game last year. I mean, the dude has a cannon for an arm. When he's making the right decision and he's on, um, he can be a good quarterback. And so that's what the Broncos have to hope. Because I, I think you're right. I don't think Teddy's going to play this week. He may not even play the next week. I mean, th that was a serious head injury. Uh, when you talk about, he's already had a concussion earlier this season. Um, I think that you could see a situation where Teddy may, may be out for a couple weeks um, just based on, on the way that that hit went. I mean, it, it looked like it was pretty serious yesterday for a few minutes, um, but luckily he's, he's okay. So, uh, and I think for the Broncos' sake, they, they obviously want him back, but um, I think they're going to have to roll with Drew at least this weekend. All right, last thing for you, George, and for great, great hit, by the way. Great stuff from you. I appreciate this. Um, how do you think this week goes out there covering this team? What's it like? What are you expecting to get done? You expecting to talk to anybody? Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I want to talk to Jerry Judy this week. And I put in a request for him, um, you know, last night after the game because I said, hey, 
he's got to be frustrated. And at this point, you know, if the locker room was open, we would obviously go and try and talk to him and get his, his, you know, his thoughts and maybe see where his frustration level is when you talk about having zero receptions uh, and no touchdowns this season. Um, so I, I think that, you know, that's a guy I want to talk to this week. Cortland Sutton is another one, obviously a big leader on this football team. I want to know where his mind is at when you talk about his production has gone way down since he signed that contract extension, um, you know, a few weeks ago. So I want to know where his mind's at. And I'm just going to be watching to see how these leaders step up and keep this team together. Because, again, you and I can sit here and, and we can say and everybody else can say, hey, playoffs are out of the question. But uh, you'll kind of know where this team is mentally this weekend and how they perform against the Raiders on the road. A Raiders team that really hasn't been playing great football. I expect them to win tonight because the Browns have half their team out. Uh, but really, the Raiders have not been a great football team this year. This is a game the Broncos, I think, are more talented, should win this football game. Uh, and keep their hopes alive of making the playoffs. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see, is this going to be a mentally strong football team that can bounce back and, and maybe salvage, you know, these last few games, uh, even if that means just, just getting to nine and eight. I mean, I think that that's, you know, not a bad goal to have, having a winning season, right? That's something to be sort of proud of if you're the Broncos. Or is this going to be a team that mentally collapses like we've seen in the past and, and loses these last three games and goes with, the you know, a bitter taste, you know, for the, you know, fifth, sixth straight season, uh, into the offseason. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. I want to see how Vic responds because I think his job is on the line these next three games if it's not already, you know, um, over after last night. So I think that that's kind of what I'm looking for this week. And I, I do think they get it done this week. I think that I think they're the more talented team. I think it's going to largely depend on Drew Locke and how he plays, obviously, um, especially if he's the starter. But uh, I do think this team gets it done. I, I trust the defense to come up with some big plays, even though. Derek Carr has been a Bronco killer the last few years. I mean, he's just <laughs> been – it's like, it's like – it's. I mean, the the Broncos defense has been good the last few years, but somehow Derek Carr has been their their biggest weakness. So uh, – but I, I think the Broncos get it done. And maybe that's just me drinking the Kool-Aid uh, and, and listening to, to too much of Justin Simmons who's, you know, talking about, you know, bouncing back and those sorts of things and being a leader on this football team. So um, that's kind of where my, my thought process is this week. But I will say last week I thought the Broncos were going to win all week and then I changed my mind like the day of the game I was like oh the Bengals are gonna Bengals are gonna win and uh, of course I was unfortunately correct for the Broncos sake but uh, so we'll see if I change my mind by the end of the week oh, that was frustrating that was a frustrating one but you know what I'll get it all out of my system today and uh, we'll we'll get back we'll start talking some nuggets I suppose because <laughs> yeah. this season's gonna be over hey George great hit appreciate that where do they find your work where do they find you on Twitter yeah, the best place to find me is, is Twitter, just at George Stoya. That's S-T-O-I-A. Um, you know, tweet a lot of Broncos stuff, also a lot of, you know, memes and, and Spider-Man spoilers. So if you haven't seen Sp new Spider-Man, don't, don't go read my Twitter probably. But, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. I should go see the new Spider-Man, yes or no? Oh, yeah. It's, I think okay. it's one of the best superhero movies of all time. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Do you think a kid would like it? Like a little kid oh, yeah. or is it scary? Oh, no, no, no. It's, I mean, it's a little scary and, um, you know, there's some sad parts in it. I would encourage the kid, though, to go watch the previous Spider-Mans, like the original ones with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, and then go watch this one, because I think all of that together makes it unbelievable. Broncos opinions, parenting advice, absolutely amazing <laughs> stuff, George. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. All right, we'll come back, wrap up the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Some thoughts on the Vegas-Cleveland game tonight and probably the oddest line movement I've ever seen in the history of sports betting. We'll discuss that next. 
Being a homer has its perks at Bet River Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet River Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet River Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. Okay, just to wrap this thing up here, we've got a couple of Monday night games. And the first one, I must say, is one of the most bizarre line moves I've ever seen. And it's only bizarre for reasons that we know. COVID. I mean, this thing between the Raiders and the Browns has gone from the opening line of Raiders plus four and a half to the Raiders minus three and a half on Friday. (laughs) This was before the rescheduling of the game. Later on Friday, you had the game rescheduled to which it moves from about three, three and a half on the Raiders side to the Browns minus one. And then I wake up this morning and you've got Case Keenum, who was the backup there. And obviously Baker Mayfield, not going to play in this game coming up tonight. And again, I just don't know where this line is going to end up moving. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I got in at Raiders minus one. Because when I saw the list of the Browns players that were going to be out immediately, and this is not always the greatest betting strategy, but I have been successful from time to time. I was like, forget about it. How are the Browns hitting the Raiders? This thing's going to get pushed up to three, four, five, six. And ultimately it did get pushed there. Um, I think when it's all said and done, I think when it's all said and done that you will see the Raiders probably one-point favorites just because of what they're going to see with the Browns. Don't forget, though, the Broncos went into Cleveland. No Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt, no Baker Mayfield, and the Browns still ended up winning that game. And you know what? As This line has moved since I started the show. It was Raiders minus one. It is an hour later. And I just looked at it, and now it's Raiders minus three. So maybe my Raiders minus one is going to go out the door. It's sitting here at minus three. It is the most bizarre, oddest line moves I've ever seen. I want nothing to do with betting this game. Absolutely nothing to do with betting this game, with the exception of possibly betting the under. Possibly. And again, you can hit me up on Twitter, at Holden Radio. I'll let you know uh, if there's any bets that I'm going to make or anything I'm looking at targeting live, just like I did yesterday with the Broncos. Okay, then we've got the Vikings and the Bears. Here's the lines on Bet Rivers as I sit here late Monday morning. Vikings minus six and a half on the road. If you want to back the Bears, plus 240 on the money line. 45 and a half is the total in this game. I'm going to attack this game, an NFC North game outside. I'm going to attack this game from the running game, the rushing side of things. We know Kirk Cousins is an abject disaster when it comes to any games not played in the one o'clock Eastern time window. If he's not playing 11 o'clock our time, Kirk Cousins probably not going to have a good game. That's just the way that these things work out for Kirk Cousins. So you've got a Vikings team, which is 26 DVOA against the run. They're just horrible against the run. And they might stack the box tonight. They might stack the box. I've got two players. 
And the first play, I was really glad because uh, Danny Burke of the Chicago City cast, I found he was on the same play. David Montgomery over, over 59 and a half rushing yards. I got him sitting here between 67 and 60. I got him for 67.4 yards. So when I see a discrepancy in my own projections, and, and, and then you look at the book and say, wow, eight yards, seven, eight yards, that's big. That's going to put up a red flag for me, and I'm going to dig into it. And I think just the way this game sets up from a game script standpoint, from what the Bears are going to want to do, David Montgomery with the over. Now, if you feel uncomfortable with that, I have a second shot. And I wouldn't make both bets, though. I would pick one or the other because if you're making two bets on runners from the same game, that to me is just asking for too many things to go right. The other pick I like, and pick one of two, or pick none, or you know, do what you want to do. Justin Fields over 40 and a half rush yards. He's got over this number in three of his last four. Remember when he went into the game, when he started his the, the season off, Nagy just wanted to pull back. They didn't want him running a lot. And then they said, hold on a sec, we might have to win some football games to save our jobs. And they decided to let Justin Fields start to run. So he's been scrambling. His average scramble is about eight yards, okay? He runs more on his average, he, he gets more yards on his average run attempt than he does his average pass attempt. His average pass attempt goes for seven yards. His scramble goes for eight yards. I see him having to run six or seven times in this game. So this will be the bet that I will put down. I like Danny's 59 and a half. My bet tonight, though, I'm going to go with Justin Fields running for his life from time to time in this game over 40 and a half rush yards. You can find that at Bet Rivers at minus 121. Minus 121. Um, if you can find a little lower, that, that's fine. But Bet Rivers has it, and I highly recommend you go there and you just hit it. Uh, that's going to be my play tonight. We've been doing pretty well on this show. Let me just check out one more thing. The weather's always changing uh, when it comes down to it. Chicago, uh, nutty weather, who knows? I mean, they could have, uh, th there's a million things that could happen. Just cold. Okay, not worried about it. Just cold. Is that going to just kill the passing games? No, but we're looking at 35 degrees with eight, nine mile an hour winds. It's, th there's going to be a lot of running. I feel really, really good about this. Okay, feel really good about this show, too. want to thank uh, our guest here, George Stoya, for hopping on from the Gazette. A lot of great information and opinions from him on the Broncos. My next show will be on Wednesday. I'll have Nate Kretman from Altitude 92.5, and I will have Ian St. Clair from Play Colorado, and we'll run that down. Best bet, once again, fields over 40 and a half rushing yards. I like Danny Burke's pick of Montgomery over 59 and a half. I really do have to pick one of the two, though. Um, so I'll just put the fields bet as the best and I'm going to pull off and I would not bet them both. But like I said, I, these are two bets that I absolutely, absolutely love. Thanks to Steven for cutting this thing up behind the scenes and making me look pretty or sound handsome. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Sound handsome. How does that work? Follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio. And thank you very much for listening to the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.